Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right. Yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. And it is Thursday for today's episode. We've got Mr. Matthew Fox joining me again today. No Tony, as he is out, as is Dennis. You can follow Mr. Matthew Fox on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. We'll be jumping in and talking about Championship Sunday uh, on today's episode. We're supposed to have a special guest. Uh, that unfortunately fell through. Some stuff going on with him. Uh, but he will be with me next week as we've got, obviously, a ton of 
of time to fill with it being Pro Bowl week and not really a lot to discuss fantasy or NFL-wise, unless some big NFL news breaks. Uh, but we'll definitely figure that out and still put out a couple episodes uh, for you guys next week. Definitely one of those with him. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a great episode. Can't wait to get him on here and interview him about the stuff he's got going on. I think you guys will really enjoy it. With all that being said, let's hop Matt on here and let's talk about Championship Sunday. And as I mentioned there in the intro, we've got Matt back with us again on Thursday. Just the Matt's rocking out today as we are going to preview Championship Sunday. We've got the two games, obviously, Chiefs and Titans and Packers and 49ers. Going to just break those two games down, then we're going to call it. We're a nice, easy day today as we get closer into the offseason. Next week especially, we'll kind of start... Expanding on different stuff, uh, I know Dennis had brought up, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. I haven't done all the research on it yet, but kind of where we were on our, some of our prediction stuff and what we got wrong, what we got right. So I am looking forward to doing all that stuff like we did last year. We'll dive into a bunch of different stuff, uh, but today just a nice short podcast on Championship Weekend. Before we jump into the games, though, Matt is going to recap where we stand right now in our playoff challenge between the four of us. So Matt, tell everybody where we stand. Yeah, so it was an interesting uh, week number two. Um, we're kind of feast or famine with some of the players that we picked. Uh, you know, we we all took uh, Kittle, and um, even though the 49ers were great, he only had three for 16, so yeah. kind of a low total mark. So what I'm going to do is go over uh, where people did in week two and then what our cumulative score I'm going to start and uh, in reverse order. So currently fourth overall is our good friend Tony. Um, he obviously had Lamar Jackson who you know didn't have a great game for NFL purposes but was still great for fantasy. Put up right. uh, 34.9 points uh, and Derrick Henry, 28.32 points, so pretty good. Hopkins wasn't too bad either. Um, he was different from all the rest of us with Seattle. He had Jacob Hollister, um, and which actually ended up being a little bit better in this game, 9.7. Um, but his week two score was 150.42, and his two-week score right now is sitting at 263.04. Uh, going forward, he has Henry, um, who will be playing this weekend, Tyreek Hill. And that's probably what hurt Tony the most in um, week, in the divisional round because Tyreek Hill wasn't really a big part of that. Dennis had gambled on uh, Travis Kelsey, which was great. And you and I have Patrick Mahomes, who obviously five touchdowns. You're not going to beat that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was kind of the odd man out. But with Kansas City, you never know. So that could be a place where he could make up some ground in the divisional round. Uh, and then, like I said, we all have Kittle. We all have Henry. So Kansas City is kind of where we diverge. And the Packers, um, he has Devontae Adams, which I have. And you and Dennis have Aaron Jones, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that goes. Speaking of Dennis, he is currently sitting in third. Um, as I said, he has Aaron Jones, wasn't too bad. Derrick Henry, pretty good. Dalvin Cook was not that great. Um, you were the one, only person that had a different Viking than the three of us, and that actually benefited you in the, the divisional round because Stephon Diggs had the long touchdown grab. I mean, he didn't have a ton of points, but he did better than uh, good old Dalvin Cook. Fortunately, got some PPR points, but wasn't great. But uh, Dennis obviously had uh, Travis Kelsey as well, who put up 41.4 points. Uh, so he ended up with 164.22 
and he has 273.38 uh, over the two weeks, so just a, about 10 points up on Tony. Second place is you, my friend. Uh, great week for both of us who went with uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mahomes was the high water mark. Uh, remember, all touchdowns in this competition are six points, so throwing five passing TDs was 30 points alone for Patrick Mahomes. He finished with 48.14 points. Um, and like I said, Stefan Diggs had that 41-yard touchdown grab, so he finished with 13.7, gave you a little bit of a bump, which is nice because the week before, Diggs uh, had struggled while Dalvin Cook was all over the place. Uh, so you had 176.06 points in week two that vaulted you from fourth place after the divisional round all the way to second place with 279.86, so you're about six and a half points ahead of Dennis. Gotcha. All right. Right now for second place. Um, and then... My my week, I had Jackson Mahomes, Derrick Henry, uh, Hopkins. I ended up, and I also had Devontae Adams. So my combination, I managed to hit all the right uh, combos, um, which will probably never happen to me again, you know, where we were split between Aaron Jones and Adams. Adams was the right call in the divisional round. I had him. That gave me a lift. We kind of split between Mahomes and some of the other Chiefs players. I had Mahomes, which was the right choice. So I ended up with 187.36 in week two, and I have 314.46 points right now. So I have about a 35 point lead on you for second place um so it's really going to be kind of the deciding factors <clears throat> you know if if it ends up like tennessee and san francisco in the super bowl will pretty much be done with, with the positions we're going to be after the divisional round because all our differences come with kansas city and green bay right. so it's really going to be you know what does tyree kill and travis kelsey do versus mahomes and what does aaron jones do versus uh Devontae adams because that's kind of where our big differences are and as as we saw in week two you can have a performance that's a huge swing because like for you um, you know, you were able to, to vault two people in one week uh, with a pretty big performance. Yeah, that was – I mean, I was happy about that. I, I feel like you've probably already won this, and now it's really going to come down to who finishes second, third, and fourth, and I just don't want to finish last. So when I saw that I kind of jumped up into that second spot, I was pretty happy. I'm, I'm interested to see how this weekend goes. And as you touched on, it's going to come down to certain matchups in the game between those teams, so let's just jump right in and let's give – our thoughts on how these matchups could shake out this Sunday. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm gonna hit you. I'm not gonna be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. I'm about to get ugly. I want to score. Yeah. You don't want to talk so much. It's time to do now. Not just a good old fashioned rear end whipping. To the house, baby. I'm in a league of my own. Man, ain't nothing for me. Are you tired? Are you tired? Let's go. So 
So the early uh, early afternoon game on Sunday is for the AFC Championship between the Titans and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are getting seven points in this one and being given the 75% chance to win this game. Uh, both these games are actually rematches from earlier in the season. The Titans won the matchup earlier in the year. Uh, mostly, in my opinion, due to the fact that Kansas City had a couple special team blunders in this one. Uh, they had two field goals, uh, one of them that was uh, overshot. Um, I can't remember the holder. Uh, and then the, the field goal got blocked there at the end as well for the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' first game back after dislocating his kneecap, only missing two weeks, which is just insane to me to begin with. Uh, but Tennessee did have a really good game. I believe it was like one of the first games or the first game that Ryan Tannehill was named the starter. Uh, so he's obviously gotten better. The Chiefs have gotten better. That defense has really improved, obviously. Uh, Mahomes is much healthier now compared to where he was when they met earlier in the year. With all that being said, Matt, who are you picking to win this game? game and why yeah so um i think actually when they played before it was Tannehill's fourth game starting because he took over during the broncos game in week six and then he beat the chargers beat the bucks um they lost to the panthers and then he had that chiefs game but the chiefs you know when i was looking at that that was the chiefs actually their last loss on the season because that knocked them to six and four uh, they rattled off the next six, and I think we, you know, they they did it a little bit quietly, but I'm with you. They got better, especially on defense, it felt like, as they ended um, kind of the season. So, the, and that was one of the big signature wins for Tannehill on that kind of roll to the playoffs, too, kind of a big, a big game. We talked a little bit about this on uh monday when we were recapping i am i'm picking kansas city i still think they're a a better team but uh you know unlike last week where there was at least one game the last two weeks that i thought were were locks neither of these two games do i think is a total lock i think either of these games could go either way um tennessee has definitely had a good season and a good playoffs. I would say there are a couple of ways if Kansas city wasn't going to win that you could see that happen. One would be something similar to the way they started in Houston. If you start in that kind of big hole and let Tennessee get out in front of you early, you aren't going to be able to accelerate and come back the way they did against Houston, where they just scored seven straight touchdowns. Cause that's something similar to what happened to Baltimore on Saturday night, Baltimore put up a ton of yards and were moving the ball, but they kept turning the ball over and they got in a hole early and it took them out of what they wanted to do. And Tennessee is a, is a good team if it can play from the front. The other way I would I would think that the Chiefs, you know, you would think the best path for the Chiefs would be to come out hard and score a lot of points and turn it into a track meet. But what gives me a little bit of a pause is even though I think Kansas City is better than they were when these teams met uh, in November, that was a track meet game. That was a 35-32 game. Patrick Mahomes threw for 446 yards and three touchdowns. Tyree Kill had 11 catches, 157 yards, was going all over the place. Damian Williams actually ran for 77 yards, which isn't doesn't sound incredible, but for Kansas City is a pretty solid rushing effort, and they still lost. Tennessee was able to stay with them, even though 
Tannehill's not the kind of guy that's going to go throw for three or 400 yards. He did enough, and Derrick Henry was still able to bust free and go for 188 and two TDs. So even though I think the best path for Kansas City is to probably try to make it an up-tempo, high-scoring game to try to push Tennessee off of a rushing offense, we saw that not be successful when these two teams met before. So those are the kind of things that give me a little bit of pause. I still think Kansas City is going to win. I think I picked them 31-27. But, you know, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility they could get beat. I mean, Tennessee, the last three weeks, has gone to Houston, to uh, New England, and to Baltimore, and won in each place, beating a division champion on the road. If they did that in Kansas City, they would sweep them all for the AFC. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm with you. I, I do think that the Chiefs win, and that is who I am picking in this one. Uh, but as you mentioned, I, I just I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. I think the way Tennessee plays is perfect in beating Kansas City. I do think it, it's funny. Not that we said it on this podcast, but I heard a lot of other people talking about it. When Tennessee beat New England, it was a whole bunch of, well, hey, they beat Tennessee or they beat uh, they beat New England, but they're not going to be able to beat Baltimore because Baltimore is going to do what you just said and turn it into a track meet. Tennessee can't keep up. Tennessee was actually the one who, in a way, kind of turned it into a track meet because of their turnovers. They are very good at creating turnovers, and they're very good at playing defense. You know, one of the things in the reason Baltimore lost as well is that they went for it on fourth down multiple times, and Tennessee stopped them. And that's not an easy thing to do on just a decent offense to stop, especially on those. It wasn't like a... Baltimore was trying to complete like fourth and tens. It was like fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and inches. And Tennessee was able to stop them. That's not easy to do when you have a guy like Lamar or Lamar Ingram is what I was going to call him, Lamar Jackson, uh, in the backfield with everything he can do. So I I love Tennessee's defense. I do think that they're going to be able to keep it a close game. I'm only reason I am taking the Chiefs is because I I just feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to get it done. I've kind of, he's really kind of seemed like he is on this, uh, I hate using this revenge tour narrative, but but with the way that they lost last year, and and I think everybody would ad- can admit that they should have been in the Super Bowl had uh, Chris Jones or not Chris Jones, um, who was it that lined up offsides for him last year? He's I don't think he's on the team anymore. Do you remember who it was? Who they? I could have swore it was, was D Ford. Maybe it was maybe it was, uh, was D Ford. I can't remember who it was. Because, yeah, because Ford left, right? Ford's with the Niners now. Yeah. Okay, so it must have been D Ford. Yeah, so, and he lined up offsides, and not not even on top of that, I can't remember what the call was. Was that the call where Brady threw the pick? That would have been a pick six, and then they overturned it? Whatever whatever happened, I can't remember Yeah, it was something like that. But the 49ers win, not 49ers, now I'm all messed up. The Chiefs end up winning that game, they go to the Super Bowl, they probably end up winning it with as bad as that game kind of went with uh, with, uh, New England. And the Rams, so I do think that they are they are really trying to get it, and I honestly kind of hope they do it for just for Andy Reid's sake. I mean, I'd love to see him win a Super Bowl. I think he's one of the best coaches we've had in the game for a long time. So before we move on to the NFC, I kind of want to just just base it by position. So if you if you had to pick the one quarterback you would trust the most, I would assume it'd be it would be Patrick Mahomes. And is it close? Not close at all between him and Ryan Tannehill for you? You know, I think surprisingly it is close because, I mean, as great and skilled as Patrick Mahomes is, it's his third year. It's He doesn't have a ton of experience or even successful playoff experience. He's probably 
I mean, Tennessee has won two games in this playoffs. Patrick Mahomes has won two playoff games, period. Yeah. And the one thing I'd say with that, too, he is close for me as well, just in the fact that he's also come in really hot. And we've seen that that does matter in the playoffs. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the baseball news we have going on with the cheating scandals, it's just like baseball. Sometimes the baseball team comes into the playoffs and they're they're a wild card team that nobody expects to be good, but they get hot at the right time. And that matters. And Tennessee is definitely hot. I think this one is not even close for me. I'm, I'm interested to hear what it is for you. I'd imagine you're on the same side here. Derrick Henry is by far the better running back, and everybody yeah. on the Chiefs together is not even close. Yep. So, yeah, I think we're probably going to be in agreement that Mahomes, I would lean Mahomes, but that one's close. Running back is Tennessee running away. Yes. Receiving core is Kansas City running away. Yes. Yeah, I agree Coach with that is as well. the interesting one. Yeah, I agree. So before we get to coaches, let's go defense. For me, I actually think it's Tennessee, but it's it's really close. As you touched on, I know I mentioned too, Kansas City's yeah. defense has, has gotten better, but I would probably take uh, Tennessee's defense a little bit more. So what about the coaches? Because you brought that up. Because Andy Reid is obviously very well respected. Probably one of, I would say, you'd put him in the top 10 of coaches in the NFL right now, especially his offensive mind. But what Vrabel has done, not just with this Tennessee team, but with that defense, I feel like he's I feel like some people are going to say yeah. it's, it's almost heresy to say that he's right there with Andy Reid, but I kind of feel like he is with the way he's got this team playing. I think he is right there. I think it's almost the exact same way I would put quarterback. I would give Reid a slight edge going in here. I mean, it's hard to deny his experience and what he's done for so long. But tied up in that for me is he has a real checkered history when it comes to playoffs. He has experience, but it hasn't been good experience and it hasn't been good experience with Kansas city. I don't mean that, you know, the experience for fans and winning hasn't been good, but the experience in the playoffs of several times being a home team who's favored has not worked in his favor. He, you know, he has, even when he was with Philly, he had trouble getting to that last game. So I would give him the slight edge because I think his time and his career track record affords him that. But what Mike Rabel has done has been impressive. And he might actually end up being in, in a little bit here, the best coach to come out of the Belichick tree. Not because just because he would, you know, coach on him, but, he, you know, his formative years as a player and learning, yeah. you can't be part of that kind of an organization without aspects of it rubbing off on you. And I, I really like the ballsy way he coaches and, and how he's been able to get so much out of players. That's the part that reminds me a little bit, you know, it's, it would be heresy to call somebody who has this little experience, Bill Belichick <laughs> in the same way we criticize the Panthers owner for making that Chuck Noel comment. Right. But seeing the way that he's been able to get the most out of players, his, that reminds me a little bit of one of the hallmarks of Bill has been his ability to take guys you don't think much of that you haven't heard of or that were cast off in other places and take them to another level. You know, I, I don't I don't think this is going to be controversial to say. I think he already is the best coach off that Belichick tree. I mean, I think for me, it's him and O'Brien. 
and he's already gotten farther yeah. than O'Brien's ever gotten. And, and the one thing I'll say, and I'm, you know, we we had this discussion. We talked about O'Brien uh, when it came to like the Penn State stuff, and then obviously some of the st- bad decisions he made last week against the Chiefs. I think Bill O'Brien is a really good coach. I really do. I, I don't. I don't want to disparage him, and I don't want people to think I don't like him. I think he's a really good offensive coach. Uh, and, and I do think that he's done great things for that Texans team, but I don't see the Texans. I've never seen the Texans play the way the Titans do for Mike Vrabel. So I, I would automatically say, in my opinion, uh, that it, from everything I've seen the past couple years uh, since he's taken over that team and the quick turnaround it's taken too uh, for what he's done with them, I would say he's he's clearly been the best coach to come off that Belichick tree. All right, so we both got the Chiefs, but we do think it's going to be close in that one. And I, I actually think both games are going to be close. I, I don't expect yeah. it at all uh, to be blowouts. But let's touch on the NFC one because this was a blowout when they met earlier in the year. San Francisco just jumped all over the Packers. I, I don't even remember what the final score was. I was trying to. 37-8. to eight. There we go. I mean, I know I know. Rodgers fumbled it like on the first drive. They San Francisco get, recovers the fumble, goes in, scores uh, that front line was just causing nightmares for Aaron Rodgers uh, in that last matchup. San Francisco is getting 7.5 points and being given the 71% chance to win this one. So who are you picking to win and why? I am picking San Francisco. I think uh, they're the better team. You know, I think both teams in the immediate aftermath of last week uh, referenced this game, which is, of course, what's going to jump out. You know, these two teams met in a pretty high-profile Monday night game that was very meaningful at the time for both teams. San Francisco came in 9-1. and one, The Packers came in 8-2. and two, uh, That was going to be jockeying for position. Uh, you know, and this ended up, you know, much like it was the last loss the Chiefs suffered when they went and lost to Tennessee. This was the last regular season loss for the Packers, who dropped yeah. eight and three and then finished out on quite a run to lock up the two seed. San Francisco, you know, they had a very smothering presence. They had five uh, sacks. They forced that fumble. They did all the kind of things that that they can do. They had four touchdowns from four different players. They had a huge 42-yard bomb to Samuel. They had a 61-yard bomb to George Kittle, who was a beast. I think this was the first game he was coming back off of that uh, leg injury that he had. He caught six for 129 and touchdown. They had two different running backs score touchdowns. They basically just kind of manhandled them all night. They had a 23-0 lead at the half, and, you know, Rodgers – didn't throw a lot of picks, but just couldn't get a lot done. Only had 104 yards passing, 2.9 yards per carry for Aaron Jones. It was ugly. Both teams, you know, kind of coming off the divisional playoff win, were quick to say they don't think it's going to be that kind of lopsided performance that these are two different teams in two different places. And I think the Packers will have a better showing, but we saw this very same kind of suffocating effort is what took apart the Minnesota offense last week and you know on monday i talked about i don't think we can judge kevin stefanski and that minnesota offense based on one tough playoff game with a team that just came ready and loaded to take them apart smothering the running game you could very well see that same thing happening to the packers you know i don't think the packers and the vikings are that different on offense right now aside from the prestige of their quarterback Um, and San Francisco, when their defense is going, we've seen them just 
take great offenses apart. They did it to the Rams. They did it to the Packers in the regular season. They did it to the Vikings last week. They've done it to a bunch of teams. And while I think the Packers will be better and I think this game will be more competitive than the last time they met, I just don't think the Packers are quite good enough to overcome that team. They would need garoppolo and san francisco to really start spinning out and turning the ball over which doesn't seem to be something that they do much yeah so the interesting thing for me on this game was i feel like these teams are both very similar and and part of that might be the fact of I i don't know uh if anybody watches uh different shows like i i watch uh Excuse me. Good morning. Uh, good morning, football. Every once in a while on uh, the NFL Network, mm-hmm. and I was actually seeing a, a thing where Peter Schrager ran over how like the six uh, the six degrees of separation between these two teams, and how how much is just intertwined in these two teams. And I do think that they're run very much the same way. I uh, I'm going to pick the Packers to win it. And it took me a long time to get here. I really thought when this matchup first happened and when it was kind of decided Sunday night uh, with the Packers kind of holding off Seattle to win it, I, in my mind at that point, I was like, the 49ers are going to blow them out again. I don't see it being close. As the week has progressed, I've looked more and more at it. And the one thing I will say is I do I trust Rodgers and I trust LaFleur to make um, changes on the offense, to not make it to where Rodgers is having those five-step drops. Uh, Because we both know, especially from that first matchup, those guys are going to pin their ears back and come after Rodgers. They they had so much success last time, and against one of the better offensive lines in the game as well. I believe uh, when I was looking at earlier today, Green Bay is in the top five. They may even be number one in allowing Rodgers time to pass the ball. Like Their offensive line has been outstanding this year. So I do think they're going to try and make some changes to the game plan to allow Rodgers to get the ball out quicker. What's going to be interesting to me, and this is where you could end up winning our league here, uh, our, our playoff league, is a lot of that I think is going to fall on Devontae Adams because he is clearly Rodgers' best weapon and the one that he trusts the most. So can Sherman and whoever else they put on him lock down Adams? And if they can, can Rodgers lean on somebody else like Lazard or, I don't even know, Allison Graham? I mean, can you rely on Graham? You know, Williams or Jones out of the backfield. Like, he, he more than likely is going to have to rely on somebody else. Where I do worry a little bit is San Francisco. We both know and everybody knows they build their game through the run. And the Packers' run defense is by far the worst part of their defense. Their their secondary is good. I do think they'll have a – they're going to struggle to cover Kittle, I think. But outside of him, I, I'm not worried about anybody else on that offense. And, and my biggest question mark, and I hate to say it because I know Tony kind of called me out on it last time we had him on here, is Jimmy G. They, he threw that pick last week, and it almost seemed like they didn't want to put the ball in his hands anymore. It was just hand the ball off and keep going. So if the Packers can shut down the run enough and force them to throw the ball, can they force Garoppolo into some bad decisions? And if he turns the ball over once or even twice, can Rodgers capitalize it like he's done his entire career? And I do think it's going to come down to one late drive, and they either stop him or they force Jimmy G to make that mistake or they put it in Rodgers' hands. And the one thing I'll say is if that happens, I am going to put my money on Rodgers because we've seen these insane Hail Marys and everything that he's done in the playoffs and in the regular season. But the ones in the playoffs have just been extraordinary where he leads his team back and then they make some miraculous play and ends up winning it. We haven't seen 
it yet this year, and I think we're going to see it in this game and give Rodgers a shot at getting his second ring. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's going to come down to two things. I I agree with you about Adams, and actually when I was working on a preview for the Fantasy Life App blog looking at uh, DFS plays, um, you know, I like Kittle as a play because he exploded the last time these two teams played and we saw some, some good passing success that Russell Wilson had against them last week. I, I think Kittle is a good play. I, I liked Adams as a play, even though he was the most expensive receiver, because I think he's the guy Rogers still feels the most comfortable with. And we've had just, you know, we've seen some of his issues to me. If green Bay, if you want to make a case for Green Bay winning, I think, where they have to be better than what Minnesota was and than what they were last time is they have to have some kind of running component. Yes. Yeah. Because we saw Dalvin Cook, who I think both of us would say we feel is a superior running back to Aaron Jones and yeah. certainly had superior rushing success. Nine carries for 18 yards. That destroyed. Now, I think Aaron Rodgers is demonstrably better as a passer and has much greater experience and successful experience than Kirk Cousins. So some of the things that we saw from the way Cousins responded to the increase of pressure, you wouldn't necessarily expect from Rodgers. But I think if Green Bay really wants to have a chance, they have been better this year. Even even though Aaron Jones didn't have a great yards per carry and only had 62 yards against the Seahawks, he was able to punch in for a couple of touchdowns, right. and that helped open things up for Adams. And I think they would need that. What concerns me a little, you referenced LaFleur. That is where I, I lean totally. I much greater trust in Kyle Shanahan and Robert Salah to make changes and dominate the game than I do in LaFleur. Okay. I, you know, I have more confidence in Aaron Rodgers maybe trying to figure something out and calling his own plays and making adjustments on the field. Uh, I, you know, LaFleur has had an okay season, but when we did those rankings, I dropped him to the lowest of the NFC coaches, in my opinion, for right. a reason. And I haven't seen anything that really – so that is a place I would give an edge to San Francisco. So I, I get the Shanahan part because actually I haven't even had a chance to touch on that yet. Shanahan has owned Mike Pettin every time they've played each other, which does worry me a little bit because obviously for those of you who don't know, Mike Pettin is, is Green Bay's defensive coordinator. But why Salah? What, where, where does the trust come from him? Not not that I'm not saying anything bad about him. He was honestly one I was kind of hoping would get the Browns head coaching job uh, because I think he would do great things for that defense. Like I'd love to see Ward and if they bring Schober back, Garrett, Ogunjobi, all those guys playing for Salah, I thought they'd, they'd be fantastic. So I like him, but we haven't seen him in this spot either. Like Kyle Shanahan does obviously have some playoff experience, made it to the Super Bowl with the Falcons. Uh, you know, as I said, if you go back and look at his record of every time he's played Mike Pettin, he's pretty much owned him. So I, I would I would say I'd be worried uh, more about Pettin making adjustments to Shanahan than possibly LaFleur to Salah. So what is it about Salah that gives you the confidence that he's going to make any kind of adjustments that LaFleur makes to him? I just, the way that he has gotten this team to play, um, I actually thought he did a fantastic job last year, despite depleted talent and some injuries, um, was, was able to do some, 
some great things, but at times this San Francisco defense has just simply been incredible. And even last week, you know, Cousins was able to hit that big uh, play to Diggs early, uh, you know, early in the game in the first quarter to kind of tie things up. And after that, Minnesota couldn't do anything. You know, they, they adjusted and they took them apart. And I think, you know, we've just seen the way this defense has been able to to rise to the occasion and to the challenges, and I just love the the way that he has brought energy and game plans. Uh, and I've just been really impressed. And I think they have some really impressive personnel. Um, you know, they had a plan a few years ago. They've talked about it a few times. They heavily invested in improving that defensive front seven and and seeing that as a path to success and, and finally getting a payoff this year, I think between the talents and the coaching, um, if I had to, to bet on one of those two guys, that's who I'm betting on. All right, fair enough. Like I said, I, I like him. I, I, I really was kind of pulling for him to get the Browns head coaching job, so I wouldn't be surprised. So let's run through it like we did in the AFC starting at quarterback. It's Rodgers, right? For me, it's not even yep. close. It's Rodgers and not, then a step down close. to Garoppolo. Okay, this is going to be the interesting one. I'm going to let you go first. Running backs, who would you have and, and how close? If I had to pick one single running back, no, I'd probably we, well, take Aaron Jones okay. over the field. But if we're talking about a group, I think San Francisco's group, all toll, is more impressive. Okay, so I, I agree with you somewhat. I, I would take Aaron Jones as well. It's close for me. Uh, and I would still take the group. I, I like what, what the 49ers are able to do. I just don't know what you're getting out of Coleman and Breida anymore. I think it's really all Raheem Mostert. Like, Coleman's looked good at times, but then it seems like the next week he struggles and he can't do anything. Uh, Aaron Jones, for the most part, while, while you mentioned her, hasn't been spectacular. He He's had, for the most part, a, a good season, and I do think that he's kind of coming on a little bit. As you said, he, he kind of opened it up late there uh, in the Seattle game when he punched in those touchdowns. And I do think Jamal Williams, when used right, is a very good weapon for them out of the backfield as well. So I would take the Packers, uh, even if it was the group as well, uh, and I would put them just slightly above the 49ers. Not much separation, but I put them just above them. Uh, what about wide receivers for you? So usually receivers were counting tight ends yes, as well. Yes, the whole group, yeah. So I w- it's very similar to my last. If I had to take just one person, I think Devontae Adams is obviously the best pass catcher. But if I'm taking a group, Samuel, Sanders, Kittle, uh, role players like Bourne, I'm taking San Francisco as a group. Because aside from Adams, who do you yeah. have any trust in in no Green one. Bay? Uh, I mean, we saw Jimmy Graham make a decent third down play last week. If this was six years ago, I'd be on the Jimmy Graham train. But none that we've waited for one of those other receivers to step up and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I'm with you. I would say, obviously, Devontae Adams, absolute stud. And I don't mean this in any kind of slight toward him, but I would say with the way Kittle plays, he's not much lower than Adams. And then you add in everybody else that San Francisco has. I'm right there with you. It's not even close. Defense, it's San Francisco uh, for me. I don't think it's a huge step down to Green Bay, but it is a, a bit of a step. So it's San Francisco, a little bit of a step, and then Green Bay. Do you agree with that, or is there a bigger separation for you? Yeah, I don't. I think Green Bay has made some great strides on defense. I I just I love the talent and the defensive coordinator. I think for San Francisco, it's hard to argue. Yeah. Um, 
that Green Bay should be above them. But I, they are an underrated unit, probably in the same way we've talked about uh, pre-playoffs. Both Tennessee and Kansas City were kind of underrated. They, you know, I for sure didn't give Tennessee enough credit. I don't no, think yeah, people give Green Green Bay has made serious strides on defense, which is one of the reasons they're thirteen and three. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then coaches that we I know we both agree on this one, Shanahan. I don't want to say miles apart from the floor, but it's a step down before you no. get to the floor. Yeah, I don't think any of them are necessarily miles apart. And I wouldn't say I think LaFleur or Sala from our last argument are miles apart. It's just I like what San Francisco has done and the way that they've approached things and the way that they've put their game together. I think Green Bay at times, for the talent that they have, have sort of disappeared. You know, we saw both games against Detroit were were kind of in a funk that they yeah. pulled it together at the end to win. Even last week in the playoffs, they were going pretty great guns and dominating Seattle. Even the first drive of the second half, they were going, and then it's, you know, I'm not sure what happened to them. And they, they were able to put up enough to hold on and win. But those are the kind of little lapses or hiccups that when you're in a tight game can be a difference yeah so for you uh you have got it chiefs 49ers which i think would obviously be a phenomenal super bowl i've got chiefs packers which is actually the very first super bowl ever so that would be interesting to me as well if that happens packers uh, obviously won that back uh, vince Lombardi days um so let's go I'll, I'll go your route first uh if it were to end up being the Titans-Packers, do you think that would be a good Super Bowl? Just quick thoughts on it before we close out the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I really think any combination of okay. these four teams is going to be exciting and energizing, in part because it's going to be something completely different. This is a, a fun year in that there's no chance we're going to get the old guard. I would say all any of these four teams that get in, you know, while Rodgers has a Super Bowl ring, it's been a long time. But any yeah, of these sure. teams that get, get in would be something fresh and exciting. And I think any of these matchups would be interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would – I'd love to see it. Uh, I mean, I – I see. I don't. I can't even say anything bad about Tennessee because they've been so good. I actually think they'd be a good Super Bowl as well. So I, I'm with you on that. All right. Before we cut out of here, if you had to see whether it's just one player, team, coach, whatever, one person that you want to see hoist the Lombardi in two weeks, who would it be? You know, I'd I'd like to see Kyle Shanahan. Um, okay. You know, I think he's an underrated guy who's gotten some some tough breaks. I've always liked him. I loved his his dad obviously you can't be a denver fan without right. <laughs> uh owing a great debt to mike shanahan um you know i think kyle took a lot of flack for that 28-3 patriots uh oh, comeback yeah. yeah um and what he's done hanging in there through a couple of really tough seasons in san francisco where injuries and kind of having to completely overhaul a roster caused a couple of real tough seasons. What he's been able to do putting this team together, um, I would be really happy about that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that uh, the 28 to 3 things. I was going to say, if he is hoisting the Lombardi, I know a bunch of people in Atlanta, Georgia, are going to be shaking their fist at the air because they're they're probably not going to be happy. I, I would think. I don't know. I'm in a, I'm in a league with a Falcons fan who. 
I don't want to say he necessarily blames the whole thing on on Kyle Shanahan, but he doesn't love seeing that guy have success because he does feel like they should have just ran it on that third down and they probably end up winning that game. So that part of it is what it is. I think for me, I'm torn and I hate to give a a tied answer here, but I would love to see Rodgers or, or Reed lifted. As I mentioned earlier with Reed, he's... Mm-hmm. Ben, obviously, we both kind of talked about, well, he's had that, like, it seems like one big mistake every single playoff that have cost him something. And and this last one last year, I don't think any he anything he did cost him. It was more of some players on the field. But we've seen some a couple of years ago. I believe it was when Alex Smith was running the team, or being the quarterback in San Francisco. He didn't call timeout quick enough, or he kind of let the whole play clock lie down. There's a couple times in Philly where he's just made bad play calling decisions or, or bad time management that's always kind of stuck with him up until he came to Kansas City so I'd love to see him get that because he's always kind of seemed to have Bill in his way and Bill is not in the playoffs now so this is kind of like his clear shot yeah. uh, and then the same thing really for Rodgers and that I'd love to I think he's one of the best uh, I you know I know a lot of people are going to say this is crazy to say I think he's a better quarterback than Brady is uh, I know Brady's got six rings but I think from everything I've seen Rodgers do on the field he's a better quarterback I'd love to see him get another ring and I do feel like his chances are are quickly kind of are dwindling here he, he's not going to have a lot more shots to get back here uh, so I'd love to see him lift it one more time as well and I mean I love Devontae Adams so I'd love to see him get a ring as well uh, but uh, the Kyle Shanahan thing um, just before we cut out of here I am with you on Kyle you Shanahan know, the, Go ahead. The, the one that would probably be also the most fun not for a rooting interest is to see Ryan Tannehill oh, after <laughs> basically being jettisoned you know, I always had a little bit of affinity and respect for Gase because I thought he did some nice things in Denver. Right. But seeing all the players <laughs> that he basically uh, decided were trash in Miami and the success they've had, I, I think Tannehill winning a Super Bowl would be a pretty feel-good story too. Oh, man. that Wouldn't that just like perfectly recap the 100th year of the NFL? A guy like, <laughs> a guy like Ryan Tannehill coming in and winning the Super Bowl. I'm telling you. Super Bowl MVP, Derek Henry. We might have to take a month off podcasting. No, if it happens, um, yeah, we will have to. Yeah, it'd be be amazing. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get a couple of my guys going. We have such a similar lineup, though. I don't know if I'm going to be able to separate myself. So I really do think that you've got it won. Uh, But I'm interested to watch the games. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you on Monday uh, and breaking these things down. So, Matt, have yourself a good weekend. Enjoy Championship Sunday, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, and either way, I'm going to Disneyland. So that's that's how I'm celebrating the we leave Monday morning, so you know. Okay, so I won't. I'll take my. I'll take my champagne shower and then then head off. Well, all right. Enjoy Disneyland, and I cannot wait to talk to you when you get back. Yep. Have a good one. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.